Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermode. At the weekend, we went along to the Villa Marina to a very busy food and drink festival. We caught up with Rob Hunter, the chef at the Isle of Man College. We talked seafood, chilies as well. And I spoke to Claire Barber, the Defa Minister. Well, Kiri, plenty to get through on uh, this week's programme and it was great to see, despite the weather, uh, the amount of people that turned up at the Villa Marina Gardens for the Isle of Man Food and Drink Festival. It's a great part of island life, the food and drink scene here. And uh, yeah, packed the gunnels it was, despite all of that rain, wasn't it? Yes, uh, I uh, haven't got much on the drink side of it, you'll be glad <laughs> to know, because it was early in the day and I didn't want to be uh, <laughs> caught up in it, shall we say. So apologies to that, but it was great to see um, the, the vintners there and uh, the brewery. And uh, Bit Fenodry, of Fenodry. yeah, <laughs> they were all there. So uh, even though we didn't get a chance to go around and speak to you, uh, it was great to see you there on the day. But uh, firstly, I caught up one of the people who demonstrates the Isle of Man produce cooking at the Isle of Man College, and that's the chef there, Rob Hunter. Yeah, so I teach uh, level one, twos, and threes MBQ. Um, level one is just a starting course, so if you've never picked up a knife before. You can come in at level one, you show how to do the different cuts, uh, we show you around the kitchen. We also run a restaurant there as well, uh, which we just rebranded. It's going to be called Oston, uh, which means restaurant and Manx. And we've got plenty of uh, dates in the diary where you can come up to the college. And, uh, you'll be getting served by the students and the students will be in the kitchen cooking your food too. And at a really good price. Now, you, you say that there's three different levels and the, and the level one, I suppose it's aimed at the younger ones who may want to go into it. Yep. I mean. You see good chefs with knives cutting onions and vegetables and you go, wow, wish I could do it like that. Uh, That's part of the training, obviously. Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, the first week they're in college, they'll be doing knife skills, um, learning how to sharpen a knife, first of all, um, learning how to cut an onion. That's where we start. Uh, Different cuts, uh, different different cuts, like julienne, brumoir, mirepoix, stuff like that. What about the the start off then I suppose a lot of basis of um, cooking is stocks and things like that is that something you get them to do uh, early on as well it is uh, at level two they'll start going on to stocks and sauces but level one is, is more just um, uh, how to handle vegetables and, and fruit and basic cooking uh, basic bread doughs and stuff like that uh, and then they go on to level two and that's when you start to see the stocks and the sauces and the fish prep and the meat prep and uh, all, all poultry prep things like that but level one is just getting that foundation uh, the springboard uh, to have the, the the basic skills and that will you know follow on to level two and then hopefully into level three level three yeah level three uh, that's a uh, not all the chefs do level three because it is quite an intense course um, but it's uh, we do get chefs who, who do stay on to do level three so that's more I would say more complex cooking uh, finish off dishes and it's also um, how to run a kitchen as a, a sous chef sort of junior sous chef slash head chef how to do the orderings the fridge temperatures and that side of cooking as well which is really important the hospitality trade I suppose over the last 20 or 30 years has, has maybe slumped a little bit with tourism but is there still plenty of interest I think now I think it's building again I think after Covid we took a big hit not just here on the Isle of Man 
uh, all over the world. So we see our numbers at the college this year growing from last year already. And um, we hope, you know, the, the grow and grow um, and restaurants in the islands will, will be getting better. We have got some wonderful restaurants on this island too. Um, and we've got a, a, a broad range of restaurants as well with different um, cuisines as well. So I think we're very lucky in the island, man, that we do have that. So, you know, my job is to get these chefs trained up and ready for the industry. So when they do go out there, they can go straight into the kitchen and just get on with what they have to do. Well, Alan Kermode from Cushland Seafoods, uh, good to see you at the Food and Drink Festival. How's the requirement and needs for seafood in this day and age? It's very good, very, very good indeed. There's uh, a lot of younger people seem to like the seafood more so than, than usual, really. Maybe it's just good products from the Isle of Man, maybe that's what it is. And I suppose it's, it's something that's been promoted uh, quite well, I suppose, ar around the waters. Uh, the local produce, use the local food and local fishermen. And it's keeping everything local, really. Everything local. And, and it's, nice to see, it's nice to see more younger men in coming into the job. If they can, it's expensive to do it, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah, it's, it's not the easiest life in the world, is it? But, no. But it's uh, a skill to it. Oh, there's a skill to it. But what else is easy in life? Nothing easy in life. you got to get on with it. What's most popular things at the moment? I, I would say crab is very popular. Very popular. Lobsters is, but crab seems to, want, seems to be the one that's... Uh, more people go for it's a little bit cheaper and they seem to go for more for that and it's great that the you mentioned the younger uh, people it's great to see them around at the festival here trying these different foods not not just having a burger or chips isn't it oh yeah i would uh, i would offer them more uh, uh, proper food and go and eat these burgers and stuff i know it helps the local farmers and stuff if they're eating local meat but it's good. It's good to see them. Really, it's good to see the young people. I look around here now, and the majority of them, the majority of them, is all young people. Well, Ruth Mead, Fire Island, uh, it's the right name for what you're selling here. It is. Good afternoon. So we've got a range of our fresh chilies, all grown in Blath and Sunny West, um, all picked off the plant yesterday or this morning, and then we've got a range of our hot sauces, hot honey, pickles all using our own chilies so when, when you look around in the market side and supermarkets things and you look at all the different sources and you think to yourself oh, surely people can't they have one or the other but you've got how many different varieties here so we've got seven varieties of hot sauce and um, we've got uh, four other chili related products we've got the honey we've got a chili and cranberry and burnt orange and then we've got some chilli pickles of different styles of chilies. All the chilies have got different flavour and behave a little bit differently. So it's unlimited, really, what you can do with chilies. And it, the marvellous thing about it is that when you look at some of the Asian cooking, the Thai and stuff like that, they, they won't use just one type of chilli, will they? No, I mean, we've got a chilli for every occasion. Um, there's different areas of the world. There's different styles of chilies. So you get some where the heat's all up front, others where you get no heat at all for a few seconds and then the heat just hits you. Um, so our scorpion sauce is quite fun like that. A lot of people look at you and go, that's not hot. And then five seconds later, they're regretting the, yeah. <laughs> the, 
the bravado. And, and the younger generation aren't scared to try these, are they? No, no, there's a lot of interest. I wasn't sure when we started this how much demand there'd be in the Isle of Man being a small island, but you know, we've got so much interest. Everybody's like really, really excited. Yeah, and the, just the, the look of them on display, the different colours of the chilies, it's great and uh, difficult to keep an eye on, are they? You gotta be watching them. It's constant work, yeah, yeah. So we start prepping for our season in January. The, the chilies are all planted in January. They require very specific environments. So Stuart manages that side of things. He's pedantic and it shows because We've got chilli plants that now, they're the happiest plants I've ever seen. Um, we've got a polytunnel with about 500 plants, 45 varieties. So, and every other week we are at Douglas Food Market and when we're not there, we're open for pick your own up in Balaf. Well, great to see the Defa Minister, Claire Barber, here today. Uh, had a good look around, great display of local produce. Absolutely, I think it just shows the diversity in our local produce. You know, there really is something for everyone and uh, the passion that people put into both their business but also just into the Isle of Man and the products that we have and the time and care they've taken to develop new ideas, new concepts and then pitch them both to people here but also a lot of these people are finding huge markets and interest in our products and our island elsewhere. Yeah, and the great thing is you come here year after year and you think, you're sort of used to the old Manx way of seeing the same old faces but every time you come here there's seven or eight new different ventures isn't it? Absolutely new ventures and new products from existing people as well you know I think there's no one who's just resting on their laurels everyone's coming up with new ideas new concepts you know seeing what the public like um, and taking feedback from the festival and the shows as well and really then taking that away and, and building new concepts and then you know, ultimately, aren't we all all the more lucky for the, the work that they're putting in? Yeah, and as the, the minister, of course, uh, coming here, it's an important part of your role, do you think? I think so. I think yeah. it's really important to be down here, to, to talk to people, you know, get to meet some of the new faces. Sometimes I see different things for grants or um, you know, a bit of information about new companies coming through, and it's really nice then to be able to put faces to names and see what they're actually uh, producing. Um, and as I say, I'm always just absolutely overwhelmed, I suppose is the word, with just how fortunate we are. Um, and it's not by luck. It's absolutely by hard work from our farmers, our fishermen, our producers who, who come in, they take the, the benefits of the land and the, the location we have and they turn it into something really special through a huge amount of hard work and I'm absolutely uh, indebted to them for that work. Yeah. Well, your role now, quite a bit into it now. I mean, has it got easier? Has, have you found out more of the problems that people are facing? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of uh, an awareness of where the challenges are, there is significant challenges across a number of sectors at the minute, and I think that's uh, that's true across government. If you look at the the increasing input costs, that's a pretty common uh, conversation, I think, across all industry, but it's particularly marked, I would say, in agriculture and food. Um, saying that, as much as I'm you know, very much aware of those challenges, I'm also aware that there's a, a finite pot that we're working with in government, and it's really important that we recognise just what um, role is played by agriculture and that it isn't just providing food there's so much else that goes into um, that work in terms of land management flood risk management climate change mitigation carbon sequestration you know actually the people who are out producing our food are also benefiting us in so many other ways and i think we mustn't forget that well we just witnessed a wonderful demonstration in the cookery section here at the food festival uh, clive moyo 
from the La Villa Perilla here and uh, went down well, your demonstration? Oh yeah, it went down pretty well. Yeah. I wasn't expecting so much of a crowd, but I'm happy people turned up. It was a lovely uh, day, loved the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I only have asked for better, but uh, I'm happy with the demo to showcase uh, what we do here at the La Villa Perilla. The food is lovely. We would love people to come and enjoy our sushi Sundays and hopefully uh, in the future we'll have master classes where people do their own sushi and have to enjoy it themselves. And, and that was so different about the demonstration you did today. Is, that seemed to be your speciality, the, the sushi side of things? Oh yes, I've been doing sushi for the past 13 years. So for me it's like literally uh, waking up and walking. So uh, originally from Zimbabwe, how, how did you get over here to the Isle of Man, Clive? Well, I was working in Dubai when I saw this post about the safest place uh, to raise a family, the uh, Isle of Man, and I started looking for a job there. And a couple, three weeks after, I got a call from Sam and Adrian telling me about this pro wonderful project that they have got lined up, uh, this La Villa Parilla, a barbecue place with South American influenced. They asked me, would you like to be part of this project? I was like, yeah, I would love to be. Because it's a new challenge for me, coming from a Japanese background to a barbecue place. For me, it was the best challenge I could have ever asked. And to come here on the Isle of Man, the safest place, compared to us in Africa, this is the safest place I've, I've been so far. It's lovely. Yeah. The sushi side thing, how, how popular are you finding it? Obviously, you were working at a pretty high standard in Dubai by the sound of it. Oh yeah, it was a Michelin star. <laughs> uh, it was a high standard, Porsche. But it, it, it is lovely. Hopefully we'll turn it to the uh, high standards as well and keep them up there. Because people, they love the food here. We'll have to teach them a lot of varieties of food, like fusion sushi, like the one that I just demonstrated. A lot of people are only used uh, to sushi having fish only. No fruits, no cheese, no other types of meat. From the Villa Piria, uh, Clive Moyo uh, telling us about uh, the demonstration there that he did in front of everyone, that wonderful sushi he was preparing with his Michelin chef background there in Dubai. Also Claire Barber, the DEFA minister, delighted with uh, what she's seen on the day. Ruth Mead from Fire Island, also, Alan Kermode from Cushland Seafoods. And uh, firstly, I spoke to the uh, chef and lecturer at the Isle of Man College, Rob Hunter. I think it's unbelievable the passion we have here on this island. For such a small place, food, drink, whatever it is, they're so passionate about its locality, uh, how they can bring it to the Manx people at a value-for-money price as well. You know, community is all about it. You know, the foodie market on South Quay now, these food and drink festivals. Everybody wants to be a part of it. You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermud and myself, Simon Clark. Well, we continued our walk around the Villa Marina Gardens, Kiri, and uh, you caught up with some more people. I did indeed. It's always nice catching up with the stallholders when they're flat out busy and you get a real feel for how the afternoon is going. And that said, I caught up with Andreas Meats, uh, Norman Morrie's grandson there, Phil Bakuris, to see how they're getting on since they've been missing from the Food and Drink Festival for a couple of years. So we've brought a slight different range this year. We've got some of our newer products. Um, we decided to go down the route of um, cooking a lot more. So we have our own chopped pork. 
Uh, we produce that literally from scratch right the way through to the customer seeing it in the package. Uh, we're doing a corned beef now, so it'll be the first ever Manx corned beef. Uh, we also brought our um, meatballs here this year. Our, we've also got a brand new chicken piri piri sausage, which is selling really well. Um, and I've also brought back one of my granddad's old recipes, which is his pork and blackbone sausage. Oh, wow. And uh, we actually managed to sell out on the first day. Oh, so uh, we were late last night uh, making some more. So, um, yeah. Well, doesn't that just say granddad was always right? Oh, I never said he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, that's why uh, first job we did was go through everything, make sure everything was back to the old recipes, everything was made how it should be made, make sure everything's correct. And that is showed in the uh, sales and in the business, and it's it's booming. It's brilliant. And now that said, obviously, Grandad was involved for, for years. Norman Mori was the mainstay of Andreas Meats. And now you're his grandson. You've not maybe been involved with this side of the business for a number of years, but you've taken the helm now, and you're going to run with it. Yeah, I mean, I've been involved with the business probably since I was eight years old. Um, you know, every Christmas holiday, every every school holiday, after school weekends, we always went and worked. You know, that's how we were brought up. And I've known the business from when it was a chicken farm or on a pork farm right the way through to what it is today. And um, it was it was probably more of a natural progression than uh, I, I really realised. Uh, but I've enjoyed the challenge and I've enjoyed pushing the business forward and bringing new products to market and seeing customers uh, today and yesterday really enjoying it, tasting it. Even we had a, a young lad about four or five years old yesterday and uh, I think he ate a whole packet of uh, ox tongue on his own. So uh, his mum came over and he said, I'm awfully sorry. She said... Um, I think he's eating. He's eating up a packet. Um, do you mind if I buy one off you? Uh, so <laughs> that's fine. But. Well, isn't that great that you get an opportunity to taste before you buy? And yeah, some of the products are, you know, from yesteryear. Ox tongue. You know, it's an old recipe. It's an old dish. It you is. don't normally see no, that often. It's perfectly good for you. It, you know, all it is is a is a tongue that's cured. It's, there's nothing bad in it. You know, it, it's perfectly good for you. So uh, there's no reason why people shouldn't have it today. And some of your packaged meats, the cooked meats, it, it, they're always really handy you know, through the summer months. I know where, where mm. Stickler's on the farm, that we always have a salad and it's always cold meats of some sorts. So packaging them up, and it looks really, really great here. I don't know, packaging's a bit of a, t a taboo topic, you know, talk about recycling and all the rest of it. Are these sort of, this area something you're going to go down and change as you go yeah. on? Or? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've actually um, brought today our recyclable packaging. So if you look at our trays for our ham and for our sausages, um, it's actually, uh, those trays can be recycled into anything else. So the, the, the world's kind of going that way and there's no reason why it shouldn't. Um, we've been looking at it quite extensively and um, there isn't actually uh, an increase in costs. So if anything, we've managed to decrease the cost. So that's meant that we've been able to go recyclable plus keep the price the same for the customer. Yeah, you know, and, really and we important. haven't put the price up uh, for the sake of it because we've gone to uh, recyclable trays if we don't need to we won't no, no. we would rather people enjoy our product because it's good quality it's manx and it's local well i've caught up with a very busy person now michael keg all the way from port samari now i have not seen you at the food and drink festival before michael but what a lovely stand the manx lobster yeah it's uh, fairly new we've been in business three years but it's our first year exhibiting here so we've come for years and years and watched it so now we're going to try and exhibit here and see how it goes. So have you been a fisherman all your life? No, believe it or not, I was a painting decorator. <laughs> Never. And then I went commercial fishing with a friend, I fell in love with the job, 
And then when I got the opportunity to buy, I thought, right, okay, it's my time, let's go. You know, you never know when the right time is, but we jumped in the deep end and went for it. And this is it, but fishing out at the sea, you know, well, today alone, it's wild around the Isle of Man. It can't be an easy job. Yeah, I mean, you get your good days and your bad days. When you get the best weather, there's not a better job in the world, you know. <laughs> Off you go, drop your ropes, there's nothing else you can do, you know, you just steam out to sea, dolphins, but then yeah, if you catch is good, great oh. day. Oh, well, I never. But you're only a small business, and I think that your, your partner, Tracy, was saying there before, you know, you want to do the fresh, you catch to order. Yeah, basically what I'll do is I'll go out, see what's in the gear. We advertise it on our social media or on our website. We have a small shop. Once we run out, we run out. We don't freeze anything. It's all freshly cooked to order, and then customers prefer that. And how do you find that? Is it easy to keep up with the demand? It is and it isn't. Summer, yeah, no problem. Winter, they're screaming at me. <laughs> Christmas orders is a nightmare with the gales and stuff, but we get there, yeah. And how do you find it out at sea? It must be quite dangerous. Yeah, it is. You've got to be wits about yourself. You know, you try and make the job as safe as possible, but at the end of the day, you're messing with hundreds and hundreds of different ropes, lobster pots going over the back of the boat. You never know what's going to happen, but you're always trying to be safe as you can. And you say you go out on your own. Is that something by choice? You know, do you like your own peace and quiet? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there's nothing better. <laughs> um, uh, maybe in the future I will have somebody helping me because we know we're, hopefully we will buy a bigger boat and push it a bit harder. But yeah, at the minute I'll stick with what I do. Well, here we are with Hound and Howl and a big, big smile on your face, Richard. Huge congratulations. The best standing show. Thank you very much. It's been uh, an absolute honour to get that award. Really, really pleased. Yeah, all the staff put in a lot of hard work to get the show where it is and we're really happy. Well, that said, it is a little bit of a different stand to what we normally see. How did this idea come up, you know, creating dog food out of human-grade food? Uh, mainly because we we've had our dogs nearly seven years, and then it was very difficult to buy natural dog food, natural treats. Um, even some of the ones in the pet shops that say natural on them, they've actually got five or six ingredients in them, which is a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a con. So Sarah had an idea of, you know, what sure we can make our own. Then the more we looked into it, then we realised it's not quite as easy as what we thought. Uh, it's a complicated process. Then I approached a friend who worked at DEFA to ask some advice. And they said, oh, yeah, you, know, you need a DEFA licence. I went, right, OK, let's do all those steps. That took about six months. And then we opened up um, six months later in South Cape with our first little small unit, which at the time we thought, oh, this is way too big. You know, what are we going to do? But literally three months later, we started looking for an even bigger unit. Oh, wow. And then really a year later, we found Next Door at One. So we had two units on the go. That only lasted one more year, and that was too small. Oh, and then we had our name down for a bigger one. And then two and a half years ago, we moved into our massive 4,000 square foot unit on South Quay. Um, we, got wow. our, we, got our, we got our big shop. Uh, well, that just shows the demand for healthy dog food. Yeah, it's huge. So from where we started making small 15 and 20 kilo batches of food, every week now we make 1.2 tonnes of food. My word, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, food. and we do anything from six to eight tonnes in a month now. You can see and hear you there with a big smile on your face and a cheer went up. But the creation of the stand, it looks so well. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so we tried to make it look as natural as possible. Which this also matches the look in our shop as well. Um, we're a big believer we don't do anything plastic. Um, we try and, well, everything we recycle or reuse or make ourselves, uh, everything from even like the design of our logos, our shop's done. We, we don't get into third party people. We try and do everything hands on ourselves, start to finish. Yeah, absolutely yeah. everything we've got, got a good team at the shop there now um the last two weeks especially everyone's done seven days everyone's sacrificed days off we've all come overtime to get us ready for this show so we're really pleased 
There we go. That was the Defa stand winner. Very, very proud there. Richard from Hound and Howell Dog Food Company. And before them, new couple and a new business to the Food and Drink Festival, the Manx Lobster from Michael and Tracy there in Port St Mary. And firstly, Phil Bacurus from Andreas Meets there in Andreas. Uh, just a couple of things to mention. Uh, next weekend, well, Saturday and Sunday, the 23rd and 24th, it's the Manan and Sheepdog Trials uh, held courtesy of the Crow family at Bishop's Court Farm. That's from 9.30 onwards. Also, uh, next Saturday, it's the Andreas Produce Show, uh, Saturday the 23rd. That's at the Andreas Parish Hall, as is the Ramsey and Onken Fur and Feather Show, but that isn't until Sunday the 8th of October at Andreas Parish Hall. And Saturday the 30th, finally, sees the return of the Jerby Fruit and Flower Show at Jerby Parish Hall. And we'll be back next Tuesday with more. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Gary Gomez. We'll see you next week. Ta-da.